your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 353 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. Today's episode is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Download the Spotify Green Room app and join Pillsy and I this weekend on Saturday morning at 9 a.m. to get in on the conversation. It's interactive radio. Spotify Green Room, changing the way we talk sports. While Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Final is tonight, could we see what the mayor of Tampa wanted all along? A win on home ice. Of course, last year, Tampa wins the Cup in Edmonton in front of an empty crowd. Oh, how things change in a year. I'll get Pelzi's take, wondering if tonight will be the last game of the 2021 season. And then we'll turn our attention, naturally, to the Ottawa Senators. DJ Smith was on the Cam and Strick podcast. We'll give you some notable nuggets that he gave there. And then it's back to our draft rankings. We're in the 40s where the Senators picked 42nd. So listen up because I think you might like a few of the players on today's docket. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Wednesday, July 7th, and Pilsy, welcome to the final day of the 2021 season. Yeah, I think you're probably on something, Ross. I don't know how much more the Canadians can last, especially now that they're back in Tampa. They don't have the, the hometown crowd supporting them, and I just think it's time. At least it wasn't a sweep. That's that's all I'm worried about, just no sweeps and we're good. But hey, maybe Carey Price steals a game here. We'll see. I don't know. It'll take a lot more than just Carey Price because without being able to match up the Dano line against Braden Point, that adds a whole other wrinkle to this. I would expect him and Kucherov to have an exceptional outing tonight. Hell, Tampa should have won game four. Like I know we recapped it yesterday, and we gave credit where it was due. Josh Anderson with two goals. He was good. Nothing to lose and all that. But Tampa hit four posts. They had a four-minute power play at the end of the game. Three minutes with fresh ice. There was just a a je ne sais quoi about that game four, and ultimately it goes the Habs way. But if that game is replayed 10 times, I'd say Tampa wins nine of them. So if they bring that same energy tonight, I know if you're Tampa, you're disappointed you lose. But at the same time, they're not worried at all, knowing that they're just the better team. It's as simple as that. Yeah, I don't think Tampa's too worried here. Like, obviously, they're not uh, overlooking the Habs because they know what what can happen if they – ease up a little but they've just got too much talent here Ross the thing I'm wondering does Cock and the Emmy get back in the game or is it hey we won without him so keep him healthy scratched I'd imagine he stays out of the lineup and I mean the two games are sandwiched with his birthday in between turning 21 but I don't think Dominique Ducharme or the Habs for that matter give a care about any birthday celebrations they're just trying to stay alive and I didn't really notice Jake Evans uh, the guy who replaced Cock and the Emmy in the lineup so We'll see. I'm fairly indifferent on whether or not he gets his his chance because this is going to come down 
to their top six producing. I know Caulfield had an assist last game, but he's been awfully quiet in the Stanley Cup final. Maybe that's too much pressure to put on him, but I'm talking about what bar he set for himself going in through rounds two and three specifically. So he to Foley and Suzuki, uh, although Suzuki has been good, but the other two guys as wingers need to get going offensively. And then the Dino line, we know they're, they're checkers, but can they, you know, maybe win a matchup? a night offensively. And I mean, that might be too much to ask. What does he have one goal in the postseason to know, but Hey, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. I mean, you got to stay out of the box because Tampa's power play, you know, that they're looking at themselves in the mirror saying, wow, we could have won the Stanley cup the other night. And we just didn't come through. You see the stat that although Tampa's power play is clicking at over 30% this postseason, their second unit has not scored a single goal. How is that even possible? I think the first thing I thought of when I heard that stat, Ross, is how much time on ice is that second power play unit even fair, right? Like, I feel like when you're watching the Tampa power play, the top unit just plays the whole two minutes. If maybe if the team dumps it out with like 30 seconds left, they go off for a quick change. But I don't think that second power play unit gets even much opportunity to try to score there. Yeah, well, that was the first time in the last five where Andre Vasilevsky does not get a shutout in a potential clinching situation. But get this, Pilsy, following a loss in his career in the postseason, he's 17 and 7 with a 926 save percentage and four shutouts. And since the start of 2020, he's 13 and 0 following a loss. So, um, guarantee. Yeah, it's pretty likely. And hey, that's 13 why 13 and 0 Pilsy. I leaned real heavy on Tampa this year in the season as uh, my Pilsy's parlay of the day went along. They were pretty much always a part of my parlay and uh hey, maybe uh we'll we'll see with uh Pilsy's playoff parlay of the day which way I lean here, but uh I'm not I'm not hiding too many secrets here. I think Tampa is going to shut this one out tonight. So you're taking your Habs jersey off finally? Yeah, well, the Habs jersey was only staying on because I was on my way to the bank, but uh, I think that bank is going to be closed for me, and uh, maybe I'll I'll pull the Habs jersey off and I'll have a Tampa Bay tee under there. Yeah, there you go. Maybe a tank <laughs> top as it's probably going to be nice and hot down south as the Lightning return to Amelia Arena for a chance to win their third Stanley Cup in franchise history. In the 2021 postseason, they've averaged... 4.09 goals per game on home ice. Four goals per game on home ice, and they have not lost consecutive games since being swept by the Blue Jackets. That would lend to Vasilevsky's stat. On the other side, is this a little grasp or what? But Nick Suzuki, we were talking about coming back from 03 in the playoffs before. Nick Suzuki in the OHL in his final year. His team did come back when he was with the Guelph Storm. Your Guelph Storm. They were down 03. So the Knights, they, right? They, yeah, they, exactly. Yeah. And they came back. So is that a little um, juju being sprinkled in there for the Habs? Hey, maybe a little. And say what you want. It's a different league, but it's the same mentality being down 03. And the London Knights are essentially the Tampa Bay Lightning of the OHL, right? Like that's the team that is stacked every year. They've got the pedigree. They've got a great franchise, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I, I do like Nick Suzuki because of the Guelph Storm connection and he's been playing pretty well. So we'll see if that works out for him. Ross, if Tampa Bay does close things out tonight, 
who you got for Conn Smythe. I think that's that's kind of the most interesting part of this is there's so many options. I wonder what way it's going to lean here. Yeah, that to me is an Andre Vasilevsky special. I can see you argue for Kucherov. Braden Point would be a very solid pick as well. Hell, for the season, and I mean, he was still nominated for the Norris, but everyone analytically especially thought it was a down year for Victor Hedman, who was playing through injury. I think he's been spectacular through the postseason. It has to be one of those first three guys I mentioned, though. How would you power rank it between Vasilevsky, Kucherov, and Point? For me, it has to be Kucherov. Like, the, like if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning, you want him to get that award, too. He, he missed the whole regular season and then comes in in the playoffs, seamlessly uh, transitions into playoff hockey. And what, what was that stat? First back-to-back 30-point playoff performances since Gretzky or something like it was yeah, exactly yeah so it's for a only guy him and Gretzky that have these the um it's only he and Gretzky that have over 30 points in back-to-back playoffs but Gretzky did it like five times yeah exactly so it, like he's been the playoff guy the next closest playoff points is well no pun intended but Braden point with tw- Kucherov has 32 points Point has 23, then it's Hedman at 18, Stamkos at 18, and Kalorn at 17. Like, the top five guys are all Tampa. So, this is just wild. But I could see if Vasilevsky got it, I wouldn't be upset at all. But I just think with the way the storyline has played out, Kutrov missing the whole season, coming back for playoffs, and being literally the, the best player there is in the playoffs, you got to give it to him. Yeah, I think Kucherov might be the way that this leans, especially like power play, even strength. He's just done it all, and he does it with such a knack for the big moments with game-winning plays. And I just I got to stick with my gut with the goaltending situation here and, and just what Vasilevsky's been able to do. And we've seen it year over year now, but a 935 save percentage is absolutely astonishing. And when you can't beat a goalie, that's a huge reason why they've been able – to, be, to have this amount of success he's made i mean he's been a little bit less busy that's fair to say like a lot of his saves per game are in the 20s so it's not like he was craig anderson in 2017 where he's kicking out 35 40 saves every single night but some goalies would tell you that's even harder to keep the rhythm and keep their focus you see every time they zoom in on his eyes he's just darting around he's an intimidating dude and Say what you want that he wears big gear, but he's not as athletic as any goalie in the National Hockey League. And I think either one would be a tremendous uh, honor for them to win the Conn Smythe. It was Hedman last year, wasn't it? Yep, Hedman got it last year. Yeah, so Kucherov or Vasilevsky, and we'll give point as the dark horse. Let's say, uh, I don't know, when do they vote on this? Like, is it right after the game? How many people vote? Because if, if Braden Point gets a hat-trick tonight and they win the Stanley Cup because of him, all of a sudden he probably jumps into pole position. Well, from what I know, uh, they were talking about it on 31 Thoughts, is all the votes, you have to give your first, second, and third place votes. It has to be submitted with within 10 minutes left of the third period. Every time the Cup is able to be awarded. So they had to okay. do this last game. Before 10 minutes in the third, you had to give your vote. So it can change. Like he was saying that they can change their vote from last time just based on the first two periods of this game. Very interesting. Something to keep in mind as we go into the game tonight. It could be, as I mentioned off the top of the show, the final time we see NHL hockey. But at the same time, it's July 7th. It's, let's get this offseason going. It might be the longest time we've been 
without Senators news since what Artem Zub signing his two-year extension? Is that the last on ice set type sends news? I know we had Melnick fighting with a cruise ship, but I mean like about the team, like what, what's the last news that we've had? Yeah, that's, that's it. I mean, uh, Le- Levi possibly coming to Kingston. That's yeah. That's another one. That's about yeah. it, though. Fair enough. But other than that, like it's it's time. Like get one of these RFA signs, whether it's Drake, Brady, or Mate. Let's get the ball rolling. One thing we do know is July twenty first is the expansion draft, and we should know in the day or two before then who's available, who are Seattle going to take, and any trades that might happen between now and then. Also of note. The first buyout period is right after the Stanley Cup final, the 48 hours following the Stanley Cup final. So it'll be really interesting to see if there's some surprise names. I wouldn't be actually shocked if some big names are on the chopping block because then they're able to protect other players. There's so much going on, and we're your number one home for all the sorting out that needs to be done here through the offseason at Locked On Senators. You can subscribe wherever you download your podcasts or follow us on social media, Locked On Senators on Instagram or Send Central on Twitter. That's where we've been putting up our polls and our countdown from 75 all the way to one draft rankings coming up shortly. But DJ Smith was on Cam and Strick podcast, which is a St. Louis base that Brady Kachuk on a couple weeks ago. And wow, what an absolute beauty. Like if you're not cheering for DJ Smith, and I know a lot of people think, yeah, he's a good guy, but is he a great coach? Getting a sense of his mentality and how he interacts with players, that's the kind of guy players will go through a wall for. Yeah, I think being able to hear DJ Smith speak candidly first, that's that's the important thing. Like, he knows Cam, and uh, obviously I feel like the Cam and Strickland podcast, that's their thing, is just having hours long of conversations with guys. And it's perfect. It opens them up. And that's the thing. I think you you nailed it right there, is DJ Smith was brought in not because of his ex's nose, because of his ability to manage people. And he talks about it in, in the interview, like, they asked him, did you think you were going to be a coach when you were playing? And he was like, yeah, totally. Because I remember coaches just yelling and screaming at me and then like game's over and they just leave and there's no communication. And in his head, he's like, I could probably help out the team I'm playing for right now if I was coaching and communicating with them more than my playing skill allows me to do (laughs) on the ice. And I think that's when you know, you're like, I have a system and I have things that I think will make a team work better that I'm going to put in place when I'm put in the position to do that. And that's what he's doing in Ottawa. And I think it timed out perfectly that they got a guy who's such a, such a people motivator for when they wanted to do this culture reset. We talked about it last podcast, everybody poking fun at the friendship tour and Pierre getting guys that know each other. Well, it's the perfect time to reset everything. And DJ can help build those bonds and those relationships find chemistry and help guys succeed. I really liked how he said that he wants to feel like the players can trust him. And he always tries to think of how players are going to think and react to decisions he makes. That's what you want from a coach with young guys on the team. And the fact that he's able to separate the on ice play from the off ice. I think it was a little bit of Colin White in his mind where he said, I can hate the player sometimes, but love the person. And he said, if you have a bad game, yeah, you know probably just as well as anybody, but especially with the more veteran guys, he singled out Nikita Zaitsev, Connor Brown, a couple other guys, Brady, and uh, I'm forgetting, but there was a fourth guy. Nick Paul was the uh, was the other guy who he mentioned as, you're not going to call them out in front of the team. 
if there's something that needs to be done, pull them into the office, sit them down and say, hey, how can we get better at this? And then with the older guys where he mentioned Ron Hainsey as, as a guy like this, where they're going to come to you first because th- they don't want to get embarrassed. They've got pride. So I think the way he handles the locker room is exceptional and really important for right now. And the third thing, and I, I recommend everyone go listen to the full interviews upwards of an hour, like Pilsy said, of them shooting the breeze was learning about DJ's own career. I didn't realize he had such big uh, concussion issues to the point where he was sleeping in a closet. He couldn't, he said he had a nine out of 10 headache for 18 straight months. Like that's got to take a toll on a person. So for him to have this positive outlook on how a team can be built and all going forward. How about when he mentioned a Brady, every time I see him, he's an inch taller and five pounds heavier. So Hey, he's a guy who I think the team is going to go battle for every single night. And I think fans are starting to come around on it as well. His decision-making in terms of lineup was iffy sometimes, having Derek Stepan in the top six and all that. Although he also made mention, like Dorian gives him the players, he plays them. But, you know, when it comes to how things were distributed or allocated when it came to ice time, I think he got so much better throughout the season. And he still hasn't coached a full NHL season. That's the most insane part to me is that his first rookie season behind the Sens bench cut short due to COVID and then just 56 games. So to me, this is a huge year for DJ Smith to come in and the culture's now been set. I think that's fair to say, Pilsy. What's the next step look like? How can he motivate this team all the way to a playoff spot? Or is this going to more lay at the feet of Pierre Dorian and making the right moves this offseason to allow DJ Smith that opportunity. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't know if this is the pivotal offseason. I think next season we'll, we'll really see a pivotal offseason where uh, Dorian providing DJ with those next level guys. But DJ's in the final year of his contract. Yeah, and I think, but I've said it before, maybe DJ isn't the right guy to bring them from the rebuild to contending. But like our friend of the show, Ian Mendez said, he's the guy to deserve a chance at least. Like at the very least, he needs to be given the opportunity to take them to the next level. And if it doesn't work out, you can move on. But I I just think the way he set things up here, that he's going to be a big part of the reason why this team has success and why they grow. So I think it's going to be up to Dorian to be able to identify when the time is right to make those next moves. It's going to be up to DJ to keep this group together. And the third part of this is it's going to be up to the leadership core to really be able to band everything together and be like, all right, guys, now we're no longer just coming in with a good attitude and a good work ethic. Like we've got something to prove. We've got goals that we want to achieve. Let's get after it. We would love to know what you have to think about DJ Smith, Pierre Dorian, and how this Sens team can push to be a playoff position next season. So join us in the Spotify green room at 9 a.m. and we'll have that exact conversation. This episode is brought to you by the green room. Spotify green room is the first ever social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download. And once you're in, you can talk to me, Pilsy, other sports fans, athletes and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport of course in this situation it's the senators i'll be hosting rooms for locked on senators once a week yes pilsy and i can finally join in on the conversation you listen to here every day green room is the perfect place to start or join ongoing conversations about the nhl you'll find fans just like you on green room for watch parties debates post-game breakdowns and of course reacting to big news 
or rumors. You will have a chance to chat with Pillsy and I, and you could be featured on Locked On Senators. we got to get back to the Sen Central citizens. They're coming up soon. And through the Green Room app, you'll be sure to get in on the conversation. So join Pillsy and I this Saturday morning at 9 a.m., 9 a.m. this Saturday morning. So go download the free Green Room app right now, currently available on all iOS devices. Just create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NHL group. Follow me at Ross Levitan, at Brandon Piller, and you'll be notified when our room goes live. That's 9 a.m. this Saturday. Can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on DJ Smith, Pierre Dorian, and the state of the Senators. See you there. It's Interactive Radio Green Room, changing the way we talk sports. Guys, not a nice summer day out today. Usually that's the best time to get a built bar when you're out hiking, biking, golfing, out for a walk, whatever you're doing. It's a little bit of a rainy day today, but you can still stay active indoors. You know, maybe you got a, a yoga routine you got going on or Ross, big Peloton guy. So that's the kind of things you can do indoor. And if you're getting tired, you need to Get your Built Bar game going to keep you energized. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Perfect for any kind of physical activity when you need a little boost. There's so many different amazing flavors that I love, Ross loves, and you're going to love. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. The texture is probably my favorite part of Built Bars. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, but high fiber and high protein. We talked about this flavor that I'm going to profile for Pillsy's pick of the day. You guys got to hear about it weeks ago when Built Bar sent these out to all the Locked On podcast hosts because we got that great relationship with them. They're going to send us stuff to see if we like it. The flavor I'm talking about is Grasshopper Cookie. I love this one, Ross. I know you're a big mint brownie fan, so it's very similar profile. But maybe you're thinking, what's the difference between Grasshopper Cookie and mint brownie? Well, the Grasshopper Cookie is basically like cookies and cream style flavor with that mint aspect to it. So so delicious. It's something new from Built Bar. Go check it out today. Grasshopper cookie from BuiltBar.com. How do you buy them though? You got to head to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCK15 to save you a little cash. You're going to save 15% off your next order just because you're a Locked On Senators podcast loyal listener. So one more time, guys, go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your next order when you're trying out the Grasshopper Cookie Built Bar Protein Bars. Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. All right, Pillsy, back into our Send Central Draft Rankings. You and I, well, you go to Finland when you can for your scouting trips, but we actually do have a fin on today's rankings. But here's how, if you're just joining us on Locked On Senators, we organize our rankings. We take our eight most trusted sources, three of them friends of the show, Tony Ferrari, Craig Button, and Scott Wheeler. We also have Corey Pronman, Bob McKenzie, McKean's Hockey, and the EP Draft Guide. And we take the average of all four of those rankings. We're counting down from 75. And in each title of each show over this period of time, we've got it right there, which numbers we're doing. So you can go back and listen to anyone. And if you're looking for a specific player to profile, just read the description in each episode and you'll be able to find it 
just as easy. So Pillsy, without further ado, coming in at number 47 with an average ranking of 52. We're going to the dub. Yorkton, Saskatchewan native, Moose Jaw Warrior. It's Ryder Korzak. What do you think he will bring as a prospect to a specific team? Well, first off, Ross, I saw this name and you're going to laugh immediately. I was like, this kid plays in the dub. No questions oh, asked. Easily. It's just, it's hilarious. And we haven't had that pop up yet. But last year, Ross, I feel like we had five guys just, just with, I don't want to say weird names, but there's a style of name that kids in the dub just have. And Ryder Korczak is is that guy. Like you the, can just the tell. biggest one was the who did San Jose draft? He had that amazing story. His mom was deaf. Uh, Ozblatt, Ozzy Weisblatt. Yeah. And then yeah. his and then his uh, his siblings are named Orca and Oasis. Yeah, Orca and like, Oasis. Y'all, y'all play in the dub. And his sister is Ocean. Like the yes. very very interesting names. Hey, I, I love it. It's just Great it's just hilarious too. to watch. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Definitely go uh, watch that video if you haven't seen it about that family. But back to Ryder Corkzak. This guy, he's a Sask kid playing in Moose Jaw. And if you know anything about people from Saskatchewan, they love staying there and talking about it. That's for sure. Shout out, Purdy. Yeah, exactly. So, And it's clear that they love it there because in Ryder's first rookie season with the Calgary Hitmen in 2018, 15 points in 50 games. That doesn't jump out at you. Well, then he ended up with the Moose Jaw Warriors. He's coming home to Sask. And 67 points in 62 games the next year, Ross. Wow. How's that for an offensive jump? So that'll definitely tell you what he can do. But then he kind of he kind of regressed wait, wait, back wait. to the mean. In that year where he had 67 points in 62 games, he was minus 40. Yeah, the Moose Jaw Warriors, let's just say they're going through their rebuilding uh, cycle uh, of the WHL. I mean, with junior teams, the cycles are crazy. Like either you're going absolutely all in and you've traded every draft pick that your franchise has for the next decade and you're trying to win, or you're the team that's just acquiring all those draft picks because you don't have a chance. So that's kind of what was happening in Moose Jaw and still is, unfortunately. But last season in the bubble, he had 16 points in 17 games. So kind of drop back down to earth there. And I think that's really going to affect his draft ranking. EP labeled him as steel of the draft potential because this kid can work with the puck. Like his puck handling skills are so good. He's got such good deception. And with that deception, he makes for a good pass or shoot threat. Like he's got a good release, but he's really good at setting up his teammates too. Yeah. What I think, is holding him back is the ability to finish. Like you, you mentioned it. He had 16 points in 17 games in the bubble, but only three goals. And he's a guy that is a transporter of the puck. I think he's really good in the middle of the ice, like getting it in the defensive zone, bringing it up and distributing to his wingers. I think if he is able to make it to the NHL level, he's one of the more rare breeds of center where he will stay as a center. I don't see him being forced to move over to left or right wing. Whereas I think that's what we're seeing with a lot of guys in this draft. He's a right shot centerman is Korzak and he's got a brother who's already in the Vegas system. So bloodline strong there. His dad played in the NCAA as well. But this to me is a versatile defensively minded centerman. Like, yeah, the offense might come, but I think at the next level, he's a guy who's going to be more of a shutdown guy who can skate with the best players, but doesn't have the on puck skills to really 
excel in an offensive role. Like at the WHL level, he's running the power play. He's doing all these sorts of things, but I don't think that that's going to be the hallmark of his game if and when he can make it to the NHL level. There's guys like Tony Ferrari has him ranked 32nd, which now is a first round pick. So you look at that and I just compare it to other 32nd overall picks and you're looking at your Shane Pinto, your Robbie Yarventi. I would prefer those two guys over a guy like Ryder Korzak. I'm more in the style where he's going to be closer to where Pronman and Wheeler have him, 57 and 64, end of the second round type. And again, this is more the type of prospect where an already stocked cupboard, you're just adding a piece, right? And if he develops, sure, but I think this is a project to say the least. Yeah, I, I, the, the only thing I would disagree with Ross is I'm not sure how good his defensive game is because EP really knocked his uh, his ability to win puck battles and he shies away from physicality. Like he, he's, like you said, I think he's more of a transporter of the puck. Like he's going to be a guy that can move the puck up and down the ice, but then you need someone to finish off those plays because he's going to be passing a lot more than he's shooting. Like you said, only three goals in the last season. And then I don't know how well his uh, defensive abilities are going to be with his size. Like he's not small, but he's not big either. 5'10", 180 pounds. So just decent size there. So I, I don't really see a lot about Corksack that really makes me excited for the sense of draft him. I think he's going to be a middle six playmaker one day. So if, if they were going to draft him, it would have to be in the third round. And even I don't really like him at pick number 74. No. So I gave him three out of five stars because he's, he's just a decent prospect and normally the untapped potential guys i love and i want the yeah is exciting and i want the sense to take that swing but i don't see the huge upside here so for me it's just it's just the average prospect here i'll slide in just below you i'll say two and a half stars and you're right there's just nothing that gets me fired up to have him added to the system i feel like he's almost like a poor man's ridley greg without the extreme physicality and the offensive uh, potential as well might be there, but I don't know. He's just not for me. Uh, whereas like EP draft guide, you mentioned they kind of roasted him a little bit on the, on the defensive side. They have him at 69th overall Promen at 64. I mentioned Wheeler 57 McKenzie 53. And I think we can just move on because I uh, watch with all this, they're going to end up drafting him, and we're going to have to put on a straight face. But to me, Ryder Korzak's a guy that you let a team like, his brother went to Vegas. I don't know why that popped into my head, but like Vegas, St. Louis, like those type of teams where they're already turning over their prospects and it's just time to like restock the cupboard. I think for a team like Ottawa, you want to swing a lot more on the upside. And I just don't see Ryder Korzak as that guy. So he comes in at number 47 on our list with an average ranking of 52. But now I'm going to get excited as we move up. I promise you that. 46 on our ranking with an average of 51.2. Alexander Kisanov plays in the same league as Prokhor Poltapov, who we had on yesterday's show. And Kisakov is an absolute puck magician, like Datsuk-like in his highlights. Just he's got this spin move where I think he almost does it too much. Like think early 2000 uh, PK Subban when he entered the league, he was trying to spin off the Subi Doo or whatever, where he just spin all the time. So I think sometimes he does a little too much movement. But he's sliding the puck through his own legs. He looks so sharp. Pilsy, how much of an issue is it to you that Kisikov is 150 pounds soaking wet? Yeah, that's a small guy. Like pro- probably one of the smallest kids we've ever profiled. Has to be. Even if we go back to last year. Yeah. So it's although 
the Sens have drafted a 150-pound player before, and twice, I think, because I don't think Ridley Gregg was much more than that when they took him last year, but Eric Carlson famously was like 140, 150 pounds, and Brian Murray's like, who who did we just draft? Who was I just convinced to take? Well, it worked out well there. So what do you think Kisikov can bring? Right now he's playing for Moscow in the MHL. Yeah, and I mean, he's playing pretty well for them too, Ross. 73 points in 61 games. He was second in the entire MHL league in points. And like you said, the, just a magician with the puck. Like nothing is impossible when he has the puck on his stick. So I think his elusiveness is going to help him out. I feel every small guy the only way you're going to survive is if you're elusive. Like you have to be able to avoid those big lumbering defenseman's hits. And he's able to do that because he can just fool them. Like he's so good at like having them think he's going to go one way. And then he goes the other. What I found and go try to watch some of his highlights on YouTube. Since he did play a lot of games in a notable league, they're actually available, which is a refreshing thing for some of these prospects this year, but he's always able to do that one extra move on his deeks that most guys you just you've ran out of time and space and you don't do that deek like he's going forehand backhand forehand and normally a guy would shoot on that forehand he does one more move to get it to his backhand and the goalie's not ready for it and i just love that like he he's the kind of guy that he's gonna make a defenseman look silly and then fool the the goalie on the same deek like he's got both these guys taking the bait and biting so it's just so exciting to watch a guy like that there's so much upside here. Normally, I wouldn't go for a guy who's under 150 pounds, but I'm giving Kisikov four to five stars, Ross, because the boom or bust here is huge. Like he could either be an absolutely amazing guy or he doesn't even make it to the AHL and just spends his years racking up points and making bucks in Russia in the KHL, right? So if he's available for pick 74 and the Sens haven't taken a winger yet, I'm, I'm hopping on Kisikov right away because the Sens are the guy, the type of team that has a deep enough prospect pool that you can have a guy that's just like either we can count on him to be amazing or he's just going to fade away and that's fine. We got other guys that can jump up and take his spot. Well, I wish we could have seen him in the KHL, right? Because he's playing the MHL. He's playing on a complete wagon. His team won 15 of their last 17 games on their way to a championship. So you look up and down their lineup, you're like, wow, everyone's plus 20. He was plus 42, 90 penalty minutes as well. So for a little guy, he's mixing it up and had 36 goals to go on top of that. So he's a big reason why. And think about this. Last year, he had two goals and 18 points in 34 games. Two goals in 34 games, and then he gets 36 in 61. So his stock is rising, but like I said, I wish we could have seen him in a higher competition. And he's one of the oldest players in the draft. He's born November 1st. So those two things to me are a bit of a red flag when you're seeing an older player with an extra full year of development here who's still playing in a lower level. What's holding him back from getting a taste in the KHL? Now, one other thing, and he's listed at 150 on TSN's rankings where Bob McKenzie is actually high on him at 35 overall. Elite Prospects has him at 141 pounds. You're not playing in the NHL unless you put on at least 30 pounds, right? Like that's a lot to ask of a player. So there is that bust element. And I think that if a team takes him too high, that's what's going to happen. You mentioned at 74, I'd be very comfortable with him at 74. I have him as a three-star guy because I think he's going to go well before that. Hell, the lowest he's ranked on any of our outlets 
He's either actually EP and Ferrari didn't even rank him at all. So there's that. But of the players, of the outlets that ranked him, McKean's at 67, Scouching at 62, Pronman and Wheeler both had him at 46, and Bob McKenzie at 35. So this is a player who I think is going to go high because there's a team that's going to be like, okay, we'll get you on our weight training program. We can fix you, right? Just like we said yesterday with Evan Nas. But at that same token, I think what you're getting with Kisak, Kisakov is a guy who is just absolutely electric with the puck. So there's that highlight reel mentality. And when you draft him, you could show your fans these highlight reels and they'll get excited. That is for sure. How many stars do you have him at? I got him at four stars. I, I would love the sense to take a big swing on this guy. Like you, you've got the space, you've got the ability to have a guy that maybe won't pan out, but if he does pan out, oh my God, look out. That's what this draft's all about is betting on which players will develop the best. And when you go to bet online, you can bet on which outcomes will happen best. We'll get back to our draft rankings right after this note from our friends at bet online. It's the one place that has you covered. The only place we trust here on the locked on podcast network for your online gambling needs. And because we have such a great relationship, they are helping out all of our listeners with one of the best welcome bonuses in the industry. So, when you go to betonline.ag on your mobile device or on your desktop, you can sign up today for a free account. When you do, at betonline.ag, use our promo code Locked On. That's promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus. You put in $100, $50 in your account. Put in $200, bingo, bango, bongo, $100 right there for you. Now, Pillsy got the push in game four. We know he's been vocal that he's got futures on the Habs, but where are you going tonight, Pilsy, for your parlay of the day? Well, I think uh, my idea of the Habs bringing this to seven games and winning is is lost in the wind. Uh, that's definitely not happening anymore. I've been wrong about Montreal too many times, and I'm done riding that train. They got the one win I knew they were going to get, so that's it for me. I'm heading back to Tampa now, of course, Ross, when I want to bet on Tampa, the Montreal odds go up. Like last time, Montreal's money line was plus 142. Now it's plus 202. I mean, the home team, you get that boost. So that's fair. But now we go to Tampa's odds and we're down at minus 226 in the Stanley Cup finals. These odd differences are just wild, but that's the nature of this series. So I'm taking Tampa Bay money line at minus 226. And you talked about how good Vasilevsky is in bounce back games. I think he's shutting the door on these Habs. So I'm taking yeah. the under at plus 115. So possibly Pillsy's final playoff parlay of the day is Tampa Bay money line and the under. Put 10 bucks in. You're going to win $21.01. Ooh, let's go, guys. Let's, let's, you know, the series, the season's going to end here, but we're going to end it with some green numbers to roll into some futures for next year. Let's Absolutely. Go. And don't sit on the sidelines. Get into the action. Don't forget our promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sports book expert. All right, Pilsy, we're continuing our countdown. So far today, we have number 47, Ryder Korzak, number 46, Alexander Kisakov, and now coming in at number 45 with an average ranking of 49.7, Alexi Himosalmi, coming out of the ASAT U20 finish program, 
What's your 411 on the finish right defenseman? Yeah, that's the first thing I was going to mention. Right shot defenseman, five foot 11, 170 pounds. So a little different profile than Roman Schmidt, the right hand shot defenseman. <laughs> <Safe> <laughs> to say, hey, we, lots of people liked Roman Schmidt, just as an aside. We'll touch on that at the end of the show. Let's focus on Emo Salmi, though. Yeah, so he's a little different than Roman. He had 21 points in 35 games in the U20 league. This guy's a dynamic defenseman, though. And like we talked about uh, yesterday, there's some good skaters coming up now. And he is one of those guys. Like he, One of the rush. best, I think, in this draft. For the guys outside of the first round. Definitely. And for a young defenseman to skate like this, that's going to catch a lot of general manager's eyes. So he's able to rush the puck up the ice. He's capable of making end-to-end plays. Like Tony Ferrari, he uh, tweeted that this guy's an absolute stud and tweeted out a video of his end-to-end rush plays. Very effective. But the problem is sometimes he relies a little too much on that, Ross. Like he's car- he's carrying the puck up the ice and he doesn't use his other options. Like he, It's almost like tunnel vision. Like I've got the yeah. puck, I'm moving up the ice, there's guys open, but that's not. I don't do that. That's not what I do. <laughs> So if he isn't able to carry the puck up the ice, like if teams are like, oh, this guy's just rushing every time. Let's just double team him right away. Then he's screwed. He just holds on to it and loses it. So that's a little bit frustrating. And he forces low percentage shots from the point is one thing EP really focused on is that he's just kind of firing things at the net, hoping for the best. And it hits sticks, shin pads, and it doesn't go anywhere. I think he's the kind of guy that... He's just been such a good skater from such a young age, Ross, that he's just relied on that. And I bet through ages 14, 15, and 16, other teams weren't able to handle that. And he was able to carry that puck up the ice so easily. But now he hasn't worked on any of his other skills because that was so effective. And now those skills are getting shut down. And he's like, what the heck? My game used to be so good. And now it's getting blocked very easily. So that's definitely one concern I have when you're looking at uh, Hemo Salmi here. Yeah, undersized as well. You'd like to see him put on a little bit of weight as he goes on. He's a guy who I think is going to get more and more opportunity. He wore an A with a Sats U20, and by all accounts, seems like he's in to make the Liga next year. So again, it's a little bit harder to judge these players who are playing at a lower level, especially in Europe. You want to see them at that top level, just like Isakov, right? You'd like to see him at the KHL level. Wish we could have seen Hemo Salmi play at the Finnish level. Although this guy was electric at the world under 18s, eight points in seven games. We know he can create offense. If he makes the NHL, he's going to be on the power play. There's no question about that. But how can he be more creative? That's my main question on his breakout. You mentioned tunnel vision. Like this guy needs to do a better job, whether it's a little shoulder check on his way back to retrieve the puck or when he gets it, scan the ice first and then have two or three options that you want to go to on the way out. Right now, it seems like he's got his A plan and then nothing beyond that. And I've seen it break down. Like, yeah, Tony can post all the sick end-to-end rushes he can, but for every one of those, there's probably two where he gets halfway up the ice. He's like, all right, what the hell am I doing with it now? And then it turns over and goes the other way. He's a player who... At his best, I think we'll still need to be paired with a defensively reliable defenseman who can bail him out when he tries to do too much. So I think for him, there's a ton of upside, probably the most upside of the four players that we have today. Kisikov, yeah, I don't know. The upside's huge there. I know. I stopped myself halfway halfway through. And at the same token, though, having a right shot defenseman, I mean, I think that's a bit more of a position of, of value versus a winger. So I'll still I'll still finish that sentence. I'll say of the four players today, for me, Kimo Salami has the highest upside. 
but he also, just like Kisakov, could be a complete bust and maybe stay over in Finland where he's had success. Like the offensive numbers just pop at every level that he's played on his way up. So how many stars would you give Himo Salmi? I gave him three stars because he's a right shot defenseman. So that's obviously a need for the sense, but he's not the right shot defenseman that they need. Like he, he doesn't check a lot of boxes that I'm looking for. I'm looking for better defending. I'm looking for a little more size and I'm looking for a guy that can make a better first pass. Like I would rather a defenseman and Ross, you can let me know how you feel about this, but I would rather a defenseman that's able to make a better first pass than is able to skate better. Like that's more important for me yes. coming out of the zone because you, you, as a defenseman, you can rely on all your options. That's the beauty of it. You've got four other guys that you can work with. Whereas if you have that tunnel vision and you're just skating the puck up ice, it creates a really dry game and it really flattens things out for the rest of your teammates. So for me, I think the Sens can probably pass on Hemo Salmi. We have three defensemen coming up on tomorrow's show and two of them are extremely solid in that avenue. So maybe the Senators would lean towards that, whereas I think Hemo Salmi is a guy who's going to need, what, two, three, four years before he comes over, and maybe a Lassie Thompson route, like play two years in the Liga, then move over and play in the AHL, and then you'll end up coming into a system. So I think if Ottawa's going to draft a right-shot defenseman, maybe they'll want one who's a little more ready like maybe a year closer than a guy like Hemo Salmi is that fair to say yeah maybe or like because the thing is I could see them looking at a guy like Roman Schmidt like we said later on in the draft but, but that's even a the, project yeah but I think right, a project later. they would be okay right. with because they have right. those guys waiting the weeds right like they got yeah. JBD waiting they got Lassie Thompson waiting so and one thing you talked about the comparison to Lassie the only big difference though is Lassie got a full season in the dub with Kelowna. So he got right. a full season to get used to North American ice where that's a big boost when you're making that transition. So I think he will would have a tougher time and it would take a little longer. Like you're saying to come over his best attribute though, no doubt his skating, but let's see if he can become more creative and use his skating into a more vast array when he's breaking out of the zone. So Alexi Himosalmi, the finished defenseman, comes in at number 45 on our rankings with an average of 49.7. All right, I'm fired up about this player coming up. Number 44 with an average of 49.3, Dylan Duke. Now, we already mentioned, uh, who was it the other day? Tyler Boucher as a poor man's Brady Kachuk. But when your best attribute is a nose for the net and being aggressive, you're bound to draw those comparisons. Now, He's also a short man's Brady Kachuk because Brady, of course, almost 6'5", whereas Dylan Duke's under six feet tall. But this guy is a complete bulldog out of the U.S. National Development Program. Yeah, exactly. He, he has a lot of similar characteristics like Brady, but just like take it down a notch or two is what we're saying, what we're seeing here. He had 49 or points. Three or four. Yeah, definitely. Well, at, at this age, I don't want to knock him down too many pegs because, hey, I mean, Brady, he didn't look like he did, uh, he does now when he was in college. Like only eight goals in college. I remember that was a big thing we were all worried about. So that that's changed a little for Brady and hopefully it'll change for Dylan Duke, although no problem scoring goals for him. 29 goals in 50 games with the U18 U.S. Development Program. Like you said, he's committed to University of Michigan, so you know he's heading off to a good spot. But he does a lot of similar things to Brady in front of the net. Like he's using his body to fend off players. Then if he gets the puck, he does a quick spin and tries to jam it past the goalie. We've seen Brady do that hundreds 
of times in the NHL. He's good with the puck down low. He looks for those passing options in tight to keep the goalie and the defenseman guessing. So that's where he does a lot of positive things. And we like seeing that as Sens fans. We know Brady can be effective in that area. But when you start getting away from uh, in his office and in front of the net, there's some big difficulties for him. Like EP knocked him on, and we talked about tunnel vision um, with our last prospect. He just, every time he breaks into the zone, dump and chase. And that's a good meat and potato style game, but you can't be doing it every time. And especially you can't be doing it when you don't have the foot speed to be the first guy in and get that puck. And that's his issue. Like he dumps and chases and he works hard in the corner in the puck battles, but he's not getting there before the other man. So right away you're, you're on your heels, you're chasing that puck instead of uh, getting it. So it's not a good opportunity. It's not a good outlook for his team to get the puck in the zone. So I think if he is with some line mates that are able to bring the puck up ice and able to break into the zone, he might have some effectiveness, but without those guys, he's just a sitting duck waiting in front of the net. You mentioned his commitment to Michigan University, but that's not until 2022-23. And then they're thinking, like Scott Wheeler mentioned, he'll be a solid upperclassman there, and it might take him some time. So this guy is a project, and he might not make it even to pro hockey until 2026. So do with that what you may, right? And then, and then what he did do is gave himself a very good stat count going into his draft 29 goals 49 points in 50 games with the u.s program and then at the under 18s had three goals and an assist in five games but listen to these quotes like they're so rangy but everyone's impressed with them and and this one i'll start with Corey promman because the last line of what he says i think resonates to why he'll go so high and why he will end up eventually being an nhler quote He works very hard and finds a way to score a lot, particularly in the net front. There are NHL scouts who don't believe in him, and that's reasonable. But every time I've watched him, he drives play and scores, and coaches tend to play him a ton. This is a guy who is going to be very well-liked by whatever coach has him on their roster. Listen to this, though, from Elite Prospects. From the hash marks in, few prospects are more effective than Duke, draft eligible or otherwise. That's high praise. Yeah, and that's a separating quality. Like, that's why Brady Kachuk looks so good because he had the size and the ability to work that net front presence. Like, I think if if you're a team that's looking to kind of get a guy like Brady Kachuk in your system, like all other 30 teams could be interested in this guy because they want to have a net presence guy. I really think he's listed as a center, but man, this guy screams winger to me. Like if you're not able to break the puck up ice, if you're not able to move and um, facilitate office coming up the ice, you're not going to be a very good centerman. So I think if he moves to the wing, he can focus on just staying in front of the net, tipping, getting deflections, creating havoc. And I think he can be effective. So I see him as a team, a contending team reaching on him to stock the cover board and have a net front presence guy. And he's going to be a good bottom six energy winger and a good guy to have on the second power play unit, trying to tip pucks and screen that goalie. I don't know why. I just have a feeling the Montreal Canadians are going to take him. They've got a lot of picks in that like second, third, fourth round range. And I think that I could see them selecting him. Listen to how wide this range is though. Wheeler at 32, Scouching at 32, Ferrari at 36, elite prospects at 40, and then we go down to 58 for Pronman, 61 for McKenzie, and 86 for McKean. So 
this guy, I mean, the question is, how much of an issue will his lack of foot speed be? Because we always talk about the size and speed combo. Well, he's 0 for 2 on that. So how is he going to separate himself? You can be in front of the net, but it's a lot different going up against 20-year-olds than going up against to Ryan Pollock and Adam Pellick when those guys are trying to push you out from in front of the net. So I think that there's going to be a team that takes him higher than I think I would like him to go if I'm talking about the Ottawa Senators and uh, them being a potential fit. But again, there are raw tools. And as we always keep going through on this countdown, what is your separating quality? And he has one. So for that reason, he's earned his way to 44th on our Send Central draft rankings. And you got to keep in mind, like he's in a good spot to succeed. Like he's at the U.S. development program for another season. And then he's going to University of Michigan. So like all those concerns you have, you're going to get a lot of good free development that could work out those kinks. Maybe not by the time you draft him, you still got those concerns. But as he's moving along, you're going to see those things build upon and uh, hopefully get better. So Dylan Duke, I think, has some potential. I got him at three out of five stars just because... Yeah, we, we don't need a guy like that. Like we've got Brady Kachuk and we have so many good um, energy bottom six type wingers and centers that can do a similar role, maybe not as effective as Dylan Duke, but can play that role effectively while having other aspects of their game shine. So Dylan Duke at 44, like I mentioned, Pilsy, before we say goodbye for today, let's take a look at how the poll did from yesterday. And remember, you can still go have your say at Send Central. And we always do appreciate the retweets, the likes, and our pin tweet. If you could go retweet that, we're going through, and that thread has everything you need going up to draft day. You can put in your bookmarks as well and go back and reference it whenever you're talking draft with your buddies or if you're just fired up. For the big day. So your boy Chase Stillman is leading from yesterday. He's getting 39% of the vote. Roman Schmidt and Prokhor Poltapov into tie with 27.4%. And much like us, Evan Nas is not for the Senators. So stay away from that. Of course, the question we asked is which of the four profiled today on Locked On Senators would you most want the Senators to draft? And Roman Schmidt got a lot of action when we posted that note at Send Central that he grew up a Sens fan, loved watching Eric Carlson play, but the more that we dug into it, it seems like third round, probably not, but hey, if they can get a fourth or a fifth round pick, this could be a long-term project that you just stash away and you let them grow. Yeah, I really hope uh, the Sens do get an opportunity to get a fourth or a fifth round pick. Like they've got expendable guys that they could they could get those assets with because it would just make the second uh, draft day a little more exciting and able to follow along. No doubt. Also, shout out to Phil Villeneuve. And uh, he did a little TikTok uh, profile of Poltapov and gave us a shout out. So right back at you, Phil. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate that. Thank everyone for listening to the show. We're now 40 episodes deep since the Senators last played a game. Not territory we're unfamiliar with, Pilsy, after the long 310-day pause where I think we had 179 episodes during that point. Absolutely wild, but... We're now 40 episodes in since that, and we could not be more thrilled to lead you up to the NHL draft. So we'll be right back tomorrow. And this is the second time, Pilsy, that we're going to be profiling a ranking of the spot where the Senators hold a pick. We already did 74, and tomorrow we'll have 43, 42, 41, and 40 on our draft rankings. I mentioned three defensemen, all offensively gifted. Stay tuned and find out who they are tomorrow. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.